Are you ready for the word today? Yeah. I'm excited to bring it. Turn to Luke 5. I love the Gospels. Is anybody else just a Gospel lover just to read through those and get a glimpse of what our Heavenly Father is like through the ministry of Jesus? And Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. A lot of people don't understand that Luke is one book, two volumes. Can anybody tell me the second volume of the book of Luke? Acts, that is right. And I love the fact that Acts has not ended because Jesus is both still both doing and teaching right now here today. He is here, he is present, and he wants to speak to our hearts here in Luke 5. I want to, as you're turning there, kind of give you an understanding of how I ended up in this passage and some of the things that I've walked through over the last few months have has anybody ever experienced that life just gets heavy sometimes? It just it gets it gets difficult. There are seasons in our life where anybody else just feel like nothing's going right for you? Does anybody feel that way sometimes? I felt that way lately, and it all revolves around vehicles for me right now. We we have had several, even to the point where in uh, in Friday this this sermon kind of got dropped into my spirit, and I've studied the last couple of days and gotten prepared for today. But even Friday, we had just simply taken the one good car we had left and, <laughs> and took it in to get the oil changed and get everything done on it. And I got a phone call out of the blue, and it was the, the Honda place. We have a little Honda. And they said, Mr. Hanks, you know, we're very sorry to tell you this, but you have a nail in your tire. And I thought, well, fix that bad boy. That ain't going to bother me. Let's patch that bad boy on. And no, sir, it's in the side. We can't do anything with it. So they began to explain to me how much it cost and everything, and I just hung up the phone and I said, my goodness, Lord, I feel like sometimes I'm just surviving. Did anybody else just feel like at times you're just, you're just, just, Lord, just help me survive, just help me get through this. But can I tell you this morning, you're not called just to survive, we are called to thrive in the kingdom of God. And I began to sing a song under my breath on the way home. I didn't want to disappoint Leah or get her in the molly grubs. My pastor used to wear that. Anybody ever use the word molly grub? Kids in here, that just means you're down. Or I began to sing, has anybody ever heard the old nursery rhyme, there's a hole in my bucket, dear Liza? I don't know why that came into my head in that moment, but I just began to sing, there's a hole in my bucket, dear Liza. And Henry goes on to hear from Liza of how many ways she can fix the hole in her bucket. But every time she, take an axe and cut straw. I don't have a a place to sharpen it. Well, take this and it comes back full circle and he needs water to do all the other things he was told to do. So I'm driving down 19. We were were picking up things for this VBS that we're doing, finishing some, buying some snacks and some decorations and things. And I was coming up on a car ahead of me. And it, I saw a decal on the back. It had a couple bumper stickers, but this was a decal. And it's in large letters that said J-S-S. And it said, Just Simply Survive. <laughs> and I thought, Lord, you're speaking to me in this moment right here. Because I feel like sometimes I'm just simply surviving. I'm just simply. And the story we're going to touch on today is a group of disciples, a group of, of men who were fishermen. One of my favorite things to do here in Homosassa is to go down on the river and watch not necessarily the smaller fishing boats, but the bigger fishing boats come in, you know, just see those shrimp boats and those fish boats and make their way back in. And I can always tell by their demeanor whether they've had success or whether they've had failure, because you can tell by looking at the faces and they're either kind of glum. And in the story we're getting ready to read, Jesus has shown up on the scene of a group of disciples who felt like they were just simply surviving. 
Lord, we don't understand why we went out the night before or even the night before that and perhaps a week before that. They may have been at a point where they're down washing their nets because they kind of felt like God wasn't coming through for them. But how many understand that it's in those moments that we face that feels like God's not coming through. He's setting you up for one of the biggest miracles you'll ever see. God is a good God. God is a loving God. And he loves us so dearly and very much. So if you're in, if you're in the book of Luke, say amen. amen. Luke 5, verse 1. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water. Everybody say deep water. And let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore left everything, and followed him. Father, for these next few moments, I pray that anything that's said under the unction of the Holy Spirit, which I feel very, very evident right now, your anointing, that, God, you would speak to the hearts of these precious people who are present here today. Lord, I know they're not here by accident, but they're here to hear the good word of God today. Father, challenge us, encourage us, and change our hearts, Father, in these moments. In your name we pray, and all God's people said. Amen. These disciples probably had a hole in their bucket like I did the other day. They'd fished all night, toiled, worked very hard, and got nothing out of it. And Jesus, in the scripture, is passing by. How many know and understand that sometimes Jesus can come on the scene and we never even realize it? Because we're so focused on the disappointment and the hurt and the pain and where we feel like we've been let down. We're so in this in the picture that I can paint for you this morning is that these disciples were washing their nets focused down here on the problem and the issue of having the lack that they perceived and not having to fish and keep something in mind before we delve deeper into this. Everybody say deeper. Because that's my, that's my sermon title this morning, Go Deeper. And I'll get there in just a moment. But just to set this up, they're so focused on the disappointment, they're so focused on the perceived lack, that sometimes we can be like them unless we change our posture to look up and see Jesus come on the scene, we can miss him walking by altogether because this wasn't a small crowd that had gathered around. There was probably historians and theologians say upwards of 50 to 60 to 70,000 people that lived in this one area around this lake. And to give you a picture of how many boats were on the scene, probably would have been 200 to 250 boats that were parked after a long night of fishing 
and these disciples were there on the beach and they're looking down at the problem instead of looking up at the problem solver. Amen? Sometimes we can get so focused on the problem in front of us, we get a hole in our bucket, we begin to say to ourselves, Lord, if I could just, if I could just survive this, if I could just survive this place that I'm in, then God, maybe down the road, maybe in the future, you will bless me. But I came to tell you today that Jesus is here and he is ready to answer what you have been crying out for. But first thing we have to do is get our eyes off the problem and get our eyes back on the problem solver. Get your eyes on the one who can answer. Because sometimes our answer can be passing right by us and we're so caught up in our own molly grubs, right? We're so concerned about how we're going to fix the hole in the bucket. Can I tell you, I don't want to have to fix the hole in my bucket because Jesus can do far exceedingly above all we can ask or think. So their attention is on the nets. Go back to verse 1 and 2 and we're going to jump off right here. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw, everybody say, he saw, at the water's edge, two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Again, let's put some context on those scriptures right there. This wasn't a few people. This was a lot of people that had gathered around. They're pressing in. They want to see Jesus. And it doesn't, don't don't let it escape you that they had a problem seeing Jesus and they had a problem hearing Jesus. They had a problem seeing Jesus and they had a problem hearing Jesus. And this is a jam-packed beach. There's commotion. There's people pressing in. You have fishermen off to the side that are disappointed, discouraged, and hurt. That they, because this was much more than just not catching fish. How many understand there's a difference between catching fish for fun and catching fish to feed your family? Come on. And I know I'm in the presence of many people who have made their life in the water, on the river, and commercial fishing and all those kind of things. There's a big difference in the demeanor of people who just perhaps went out for a day of fun fishing and those who were coming back with empty nets on these large shrimp and fish boats in the area because not having a catch to go sell meant that the kids didn't get shoes. Come on. It meant that the family didn't get fed. So you have to put yourself, this was far more than just mere disappointment about a nail in a tire. This was heavy concern about their future. And I have people that are sitting here under the sound of my voice that you've been doing nothing but worried about your future. And Jesus, in this moment, and here's what I want you to catch. In everything going on, God's attention, Jesus' attention isn't on the crowd. It isn't on the disappointment of the disciples, can I tell you something about your God? How many like to hear something about God this morning? Here's what I want you to know, and this is so incredibly profound and powerful. His attention was not on the crowd or the empty nets. His attention was on the empty boats. Can I tell you what God's attracted to this morning? Emptiness. Empty. Everybody say emptiness. Your God is so good and so loving and so kind and cares for you so deeply that his eye is naturally drawn to the places of emptiness in our lives. Not the success. We think that, what do we think? We think that God wants you to get everything figured out and then you come to him. You know, in this scripture, I don't see him forming a committee out of the crowd about who 
boat he's going to get into. Can I give you some encouragement this morning? The only prerequisite to see God do a miracle in your life is emptiness, is a place of lack, is a place of disappointment, is a place that we think God can never fill. But can I tell you this morning that his eye naturally went to a vessel that was empty. And what does that speak of our God? It speaks of our God that he is attracted to things that we never think of. He notices things that we never think of. If you think we serve a God that isn't deeply concerned about every single small area and part of your life, he is. And that should encourage us this morning is he is walking down the beach. It's not the crowd. It's not the, it's not the commotion going on. And it's not even necessarily the disappointment of the disciples. His eye naturally goes to a place of emptiness. I began to think about, and I'm getting off track. I'll bring us back in a second. But I, I began to ponder two stories as I was in my own place of just, you ever just get in those places where you're like, Lord, nothing goes right for me. I, I can see the disciples doing exactly what I was doing the other day. Lord, we worked all night. Lord, we toiled. Lord, I'm serving you. Lord, I came to church Twice in the last six months. God, I, I turn on K-Love sometimes. Do we understand that, that God loves your church attendance and God loves your, your trying? But can I tell you another story just very briefly of a, of a God who would go out of his way and go into a place called Samaria and sit at a well at the hottest hardest part of the day because not only did these disciples have an empty net but there was a lady with an empty bucket and Jesus looks at her with deep love and concern and he says if you would ask of me I would give you living water and we fill our buckets with all the things that we think we can be successful with and all the things that are going to satisfy and all the things around us that we think are going to fill our bucket. But can I tell you, there's only one person that can fill an empty boat and an empty net and an empty bucket and it's the living water of Jesus Christ. And you say, I'm not a candidate to be filled with him. Can I tell you, the only thing that you have to be is honest and empty before him. And God is attracted to that. Think about that for a moment. It's not the kebab and it's not the teaching even of God's kingdom that he was focused in on in that moment. He was focused in on the emptiness. Everybody say empty. So number one today, he sees the empty places. And then it says this. Oh, Psalm 34, verse 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. You see, when God looks at your emptiness, he doesn't see emptiness. He sees opportunity this morning. God sees opportunity. And then it says this, Jesus got into the boat. Everybody say, Jesus Jesus. got into the boat. If you want to know what to do when you find yourself in an empty place, you need to get Jesus in your boat. You need to invite Jesus into the circumstance. You need to invite Jesus into the problem. And why these boats? If there's 200 to 250 boats present there, why these two boats? Why, what attracted him to these particular two? Because I, if I was in that situation and I'm teaching a large group of people, I'm going to look for the boats that had success the night before. Amen? I'm going to look at those good boats, those cool boats, the best boats. But Jesus doesn't look like we look, and God doesn't act like we act. Thank, everybody say, thank God. Thank God. 
Because God is just simply looking for the vessels that would be willing to host him. When Jesus sees your emptiness and brokenness, he doesn't see that. Jesus sees you put back together, whole, and a blank canvas that he can begin to write the story of your life and in your heart because he is the author and the finisher of our faith. God, thank God he doesn't look like anybody else because where everybody else said empty, and, and these guys are loser fishermen, right? They didn't catch anything. But God doesn't see that. That's the beautiful thing about God. When he sees you this morning, he doesn't see all your problems, your quirks, your, even your sin. If you'll allow him, he will begin to write a new story for you. He will begin to do something amazing in your life. But the most important thing about this story is God got in the boat. Everybody say, God got in the boat. You need Jesus in your boat. The days and times and the shaking that we're living in and the uncertainty about our future If we could and would, we would get frightened, scared, and draw back. But this is not a time to draw back. It's a time to get God in our boat, to get God in this church, because it's the presence of God. If if there's something empty in your life, then you need the presence of God to enter into it. If your marriage is falling apart, can I give you the curve? Get God in your boat. Get God in your marriage. Get God in your church. Get God in your family. And things begin to change. Got to get God in our boat. You know, a season of misunderstanding and uncertainty changed when Jesus showed up. A posture that they had of looking down at the problem and looking down at the lack changed when they looked up and saw Jesus get into the boat. And that brings us to a very important understanding of our relationship with God, my relationship with God. I tell him this all the time, Lord, I'm nothing without you. You see, I was just a boat without the presence of God in it. You're just a person who has a proclivity to go off on your own way and to do your own thing without Jesus in your boat. I I just came to declare to you something simple here in the beginning. He saw emptiness, and when he saw my emptiness, all I had to do was just say, God, I need your grace. I need you to come in and fix the situation. You understand that if things had gone like they wanted it to go, there wouldn't have been the atmosphere and the setting for God to do one of the greatest miracles that he's ever done. Can I encourage some of you this morning of simply this? The place that you're in is, is designed by God as a setup so he can do something great. That's who he is. That, that's who our God is. If they had gotten their way, they'd have been hauling in all these fish and probably been off selling them at market and missed what God was doing. The, the circumstances surrounding your life and the season that you're in is not the end of the thing if you just continue to walk through the valley of the shadow. Amen? Amen. Look at verse 3, and we'll continue on. God didn't call us just simply survive. God called us to thrive. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, And ask him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Jesus isn't just drawn to emptiness. But listen to me. This is important. Jesus isn't just drawn to emptiness. Jesus steps into emptiness. We have this mixed up notion again that we have to have all our ducks in a row. I mean, if you came in here and you didn't have a three-piece suit and a nice car to drive here, Jesus loves you just as much as the other person on the row. Amen? It's because sometimes we think that everything has to be in line before we come to God when the principle is you invite God and God's not afraid of the mess. 
And he's certainly not afraid of the emptiness this morning. God, do you understand what happens when God steps into emptiness? Listen, the God who made everything out of nothing, Genesis 1, what does it say? In the beginning, God, and God created the heavens and earth. And the earth was what? Formless and empty. One of the versions say empty, without void, empty. It was darkness and emptiness. And we think God draws back from that. Can I tell you? God doesn't draw back from that. God sees it, but God doesn't see it with eyes of leaving you empty. God wants to write and paint something beautiful in your life. When we invite the Spirit of God, and be honest, we think God's afraid of our empty, dark places. And just say, God, God, I don't deserve for you to come into this, but you love me so much that you will. Because Peter replies with the common reply that we reply with. Jesus, we've been out here all night long. You ever just have a talk with the Lord and say, God, I've been at this a long time. God, this should be going better than it is. God, there, there seems to be something that's not relenting in my life. Where am I wrong? Where? And be careful who you go to for advice. Amen? That's always a dangerous thing because everybody wants to tell you the 26 things that you're wrong about. Most of us come to God with an understanding that nothing we receive from him is by anything but his unmerited favor. Amen? This is the same situation. They hadn't done anything special. The only, the only thing that they were was disappointed and discouraged and lacking. And Peter gives him what many of us say. When God gives us a word, we, and let me put it in today, today's vernacular because it looks better than I think it probably was in that moment. Because they're frustrated. They're, they're a little bit angry that, that they're not going to be able to put shoes on the kids' feet. They're probably thinking, this is going to make my wife cry because this is the fourth night in a row without any fish in the net. And they're probably blaming each other. How many understand that when we get in a tough situation, the first thing we like to do is blame? They're probably looking at each other and, well, you brought the wrong bait. Well, Peter, I told you we should fish on the other side of the lake, and you insisted on fishing on the west side of the lake. Well, you didn't bring good sandwiches. You know I don't like fried bologna. I told you I like tuna fish. We can't have tuna fish because we ain't caught no fish. It had to be bologna. You understand? I understand Jews wouldn't have eaten bologna anywhere. I just throw that out there. Just kind of winging it right here in this moment. And here's what we want when we come to When God approaches our emptiness and gets into our boat, oftentimes we just want an answer. Wanting all the answers isn't bad. It's just not faith, church. I'll say it again. Wanting all the answers is perfectly human. Do you understand that Jesus was asked three, over 300 questions and he answered six? Think about that, Selah. Think about that for... Again, Peter could, well, I don't understand why you want us to go back out. Everybody say deeper. This is the title of my sermon, Go Deeper. Because in this instance, he says, and this is what sometimes we have to give God. One version that I like in the New King James, that's the NIV. Nevertheless, at your word. Because I, I know Peter and his personality from reading the scriptures for 25 years. And... I think it wasn't like, yes, Lord, at thy word. I think he just kind of gave him, you want us to do what? Whatever. What? Whatever. I'll just, I'll just go ahead and do it. 
And he tells him something so profound. Not only is God attracted to your emptiness and not afraid of it this morning, God is not afraid of your questions. He's not afraid of the things that you say, why did this go that way and why did this go this way and what happened here and what happened? He's not afraid of any of that. But sometimes we just have to let that go and hear the voice of God again and afresh of a current command that he's giving us to do in whatever situation you're in today. Because he says this. Everybody say deeper. He says, Peter, we're in the shallow. Come on. I want you to go deeper. And what he is telling Peter, and this is a word for somebody in this place today. Listen to me very closely. What he is basically saying to the crew that was so disappointed and the crew that was so so hurt by not catching anything, he says, I'm going to take you back to the place of your last disappointment. I'm going to take you back to the place of the place where you felt like something didn't come through that you thought should. So I am going to talk to you in this moment and say, go back. Some of you just need to go back and hear God afresh and anew today to hear a fresh fresh word from him that he will come into the empty place, he will come into that place in our lives, and he will give us something. And our response should be, yes, Lord, at thy word. But, guys, I want you to go back. That doesn't make any sense, does it? But God is so good that sometimes he'll take us back to the place of disappointment so that we can see him do something miraculous in the now moment that we have for him. When God finds emptiness and we invite him into that emptiness, he finds a completely blank canvas. God isn't going to do something something that he's done before with a lot of you, you need to invite him in and say, God, whatever you want. God, whatever you want to do. If you want to take me back to that place where I felt like you let me down and you want to do something fresh, then, God, I'm all for it and I'm open. And in in this passage, in this scripture right here, we see God come, is attracted by emptiness, and then he begins to say, go deeper. He's telling Peter, Peter, take me to the place that emptied you. Take me to the place that emptied you. Take me back to that place. And listen, something that stuck out to me as I studied this that I had never seen before in all my years of study, my understanding, as I've preached this before and read it, you know, multiple times, my understanding that this would have been the first encounter that Simon, which later named Peter, Jesus called him the rock, Petra, This would have been the first time that he would have had an encounter with Jesus. But I began to think and began to be directed towards the book of John. And Andrew was Simon's brother. And Andrew was a disciple of John the Baptist. And as we know anything about John the Baptist, John the Baptist was the forerunner of the Messiah, the Christ. And and if you're a disciple of John the Baptist, all you ever heard was, prepare the way of the Lord. He's here. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. You would have heard that as one of his disciples constantly. And then one day you're following John the Baptist and you're baptizing people down at the river. And all of a sudden John the Baptist says, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And in that moment it says that Andrew left John the Baptist and followed Jesus for an entire afternoon and goes back and gets his brother Simon and says, let me show you the one that they said was Messiah. 
So listen to me. Jesus is saying much more than just take me back to the place that emptied you, launch out into the deep. The call that God has for a lot of people in this church right here is that you have a casual, Peter, Simon had a casual relationship with Jesus. And he's saying much more than just go back and visit that place. He is saying that I have a deeper place for you than what you have now. Because God isn't wanting you to have a casual relationship with him anymore. God is wanting to take many of you to the deep, to the place where you've never been before, a place where you can float in his presence and his goodness and his kindness and his mercy and his love and his correction. Amen? But he says, hey... Don't be content with a shallow relationship with me, Peter. I want to launch you out into the deep. And God's call for many of you is that he wants to go to a deeper place. They could have just known Jesus as the preacher, but many people never get to pass. Jesus is just the one preaching to them, but Jesus the promise keeper. And can I tell you, Jesus is the promise keeper just as well as he's the preacher, and he's also the prince of peace this morning. And in that moment, Simon has a decision to make, and you have a decision to make, and it's this, who is Jesus to me? Tell Simon, take me to the deep, the the place you stumbled before, the place where you felt like you didn't get anything out of it. Can I tell you, we, I don't, I'll, I'll speak for myself, we don't like Jesus to go to those deep places, do we? We don't. You say, what's the deep place? Listen to me. It's that place that only you and God in heaven know about. It's even that place for some of you, and I'm I'm speaking from the Spirit of the Lord right now. It's that place in some of you where in the past, it may have been the last five months or it might have been five years or ten years ago, you got so deeply disappointed by what you thought should happen that you got back into the shallow place with God. God... I'm staying in the shallows because I just don't know fully if I can really trust you. Can I tell you this morning, God is a trustworthy God. You might not always have all the answers this side of heaven, but our God can be trusted. Our God can be praised in the middle of the storm. It says, yea, though I walk through the valley. What is a valley? It's a deep place. The deep place that I'm talking about that he is, he is metaphorically talking about is take me back to the place where you're disappointed and it didn't seem like it came through because I want to revisit that because can I tell you, God always comes through, church. I stand here in faith and tell you our God always comes through for his people. This isn't a rah-rah sermon, it's faith this morning. But I want you to notice this too. Jesus doesn't catch the fish for him. (laughs) Come on. Faith without works is dead. God will send you back to a deep place and and challenge you this morning that he doesn't want to just have a shallow relationship with you. He wants to take you out into something deeper. Say, I don't want to go deeper. God's calling you deeper. So you you be like Simon and say, nevertheless, Lord, I don't understand this in this moment, but I know you're calling me to do it, so I'm going to be obedient And I'm going to do what you want me to do. But they had to pick up the nets. Jesus didn't throw the net over the side for them. Amen? He said, you let down the nets. 
Did you, you realize God can put a miracle in front of you? But until you grab the net and you let your faith motivate, everybody say motivate some movement. Some of you need to let faith motivate some movement in your life. If you're here this morning and bless God, I just can't find a job. Have you put applications in? Bless God, I just can't grow my relationship with him. How much time do you spend with him? You need to let your faith motivate momentum in your life because it's the momentum of faith that will begin to build your character and begin to build a relationship. Young people that were touched in camp here just last week, can I tell you, if you leave camp and that's all you got, it's shallow because it, it is meant to introduce you to Jesus But Jesus wants to take you so deep in faith and trust in his word. He said, let down the nets for a catch. And it made no sense. Faith without works is dead. Listen, the miracle may be in your hands. You just need to follow through with some action. Everybody say action. Jesus is attracted to emptiness. Jesus will direct you back to your deep place. And Tammy, if you'd come this morning and begin to play. He will take you back to that place that seemed like a failure, the place where you thought, God, if I can't sell fish at the market, my wife's going to cry. And when my wife cries, everybody cries in the house. That's how it is in my house anyway. Don't want to make the wife cry because we can't get back to school clothes and shoes. And Listen, you're looking at a man that's walked through a lot of things throughout my life, but even different seasons in my life where, again, I just, I just feel like I'm just barely surviving. That's had to be how they felt that day. God, I'm relying on these fish to be in the net so that I can survive and live. Some of you aren't, like, believing for a, you know, just a, you have a 2022 car and you just really like to have a 2020, you know, a brand new one. It's, some of you are, are facing really major things in your life that you need God to come through for. And can I tell you as you stand this morning... Jesus is attracted to that emptiness. Jesus is attracted to that place, that place where literally we think, God, there's, there's nothing you can do with this, but God loves to hover over by his Holy Spirit that place that we think, God, there's nothing you could do. There's nothing that you could do. Go ahead and turn our worship lights on there, Conrad. I want us to get into an atmosphere of worship in this moment as I finish this sermon. I won't leave you standing long. When Simon saw the miracle, and it was a miracle, fished all night, went back to the same place probably that they had just fished and caught absolutely nothing. The blessing was so huge that they couldn't even get in the boat. They had to have other boats come on. And it says in the scripture that Simon comes and falls at Jesus' feet and begins to worship him, begins to praise him. I don't think in that moment, the reason I say it's deeper is I think a, I think a shallow relationship with the Lord is one where we just thank him for all the things in our life. And a deep relationship with the Lord is one where we worship him for just who he is. That, that's faith that honors God. That's a relationship that can grow and blossom under his grace and his anointing and his presence. But I think anything God does in our life, and how many people in here, God's done some amazing things in your life. Do you agree? Yes. There's two responses that we should find ourselves in when God does something in our life, and that's worship 
and that's obedience. Just to simply hearken to the voice of the Lord, to obey. And it's not lost on me that not only is God attracted to the emptiness, not only will, will if you invite him, he get into the boat of your life, but he will continually challenge you and call you to deeper levels of trust, deeper levels of faith, deeper levels of understanding of who he is and to take us deeper. But sometimes the word comes forth for them to do something. Everybody say, do something. (laughs) I used to hear that a lot from my brothers. I grew up with three brothers and we fought like inmates, y'all. We fought, I mean, that's... And my mom wasn't having it. My dad would get home and just whip us all. My mom wasn't having it. So anytime my mom was around, we would never punch each other. We'd just get up in each other's faces and say, do something. Do something. Do something. Church, do something. Do something. Do something. Obey. Worship. Hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. And allow that presence of God that got into your boat to energize you, to understand God as the author and finisher of your faith. And as far as I'm concerned, he's not done writing the book. And God has good catches and he's got good blessings and he's got good things. And some of you just need to hear and be reminded that he is a good God. But you got to do something. Here's my challenge this morning as Tammy continues to play. To do something, maybe just step out of your seat right now in this moment, just to come to this front. Nobody's going to pray over you, so anybody that is on our prayer team, just hang, hang tight for a second. This is between you and God, because you're stepping out of the disappointment. You're stepping out of the just, I can just barely survive, and you're walking towards a God who is a God of blessing and abundance and goodness, and I promise you that I promise you, as this word is going forth, your net, your net throwing moment may be just stepping out and moving your feet and coming up here and just laying it out before the God because God is going to answer in a miraculous way. Come around this altar if God's speaking to you right now. God in this moment is taking some of you back to the place of disappointment, back to the place of hurt back to the place where you just felt like, God, I can't take another step. Can I tell you what he's doing in that moment? Listen, lift your hands. He's filling that place. God is attracted to darkness, emptiness, and those things that are are void, those things that are empty. So if any empty people came to this altar, lift your hands because the Holy Spirit of God, it's like a haze in this place. I don't know if it's just me. Let Let the presence of God come into that. That's, that's step one. And just know that God's attracted to your emptiness today. God's attracted to that place. So what we can do is just lay it down before him and say, God, I don't understand, but I lay this down. I lay this down. I lay this down. Continue to lead us, Tammy. There's no one like you, Lord. In obedience, and you've cast your nets. I believe the Lord's saying, get ready, get ready, get ready. Let him into that place. Let him encourage your heart right there where you are this morning. And the God of heaven that sees, the God God of heaven that knows you intimately inside and out, 
He is beginning to send the answer into the net that you've cast this morning. Some of you have asked for a very long time about very specific things, and I'm not saying this to get you emotional. I'm saying this by the Spirit of God and faith. Those who are, who are listening online, you have sought after God and you've almost given up, but I want to encourage each and every heart here this morning. You shall reap if you do not lose heart. God, encourage our hearts right now in this moment, Father. We've cast our nets, God, and we trust and we believe in you. If you'd bow your head and close your eyes, Conrad, if you'd give me just some light right there. We're in the house. I want to ask this question of anybody that's at this altar or anybody that's in attendance today before we dismiss. I want to ask this question. You just say that, Lord, I want to dedicate my life to you. I don't know you. And I want to you to become my Lord and to become my Savior. I want you to just shoot your hand up right there where you are. We want to pray with you and pray together. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Are you thankful that you're saved this morning? Hallelujah. Thankful that you're on your way to heaven? Come on, give God praise like the answer is coming. Because it is. Listen to me, it is, it's coming. God is a faithful God. God is a God that looks at us with eyes of compassion and love and grace. Specifically, in this moment, there's some healing that some of you need. Could you just lift your hand? I want to pray for that. The Holy Spirit's prompting me. Healing. Father, in the Jesus' name, God, all across this sanctuary, healing is the children's bread. And just, Lord, as we heard this morning about you said, let the little children come to me. Father, we let childlike faith rise up in our hearts right now in this moment. And we declare that our God is a healing God. Our God is a providing God. So, God, let your healing anointing fall upon this entire body. Father, heal backs and heal and drive out cancers, God, of our dear sister Lupita. And, God, Father, heal from the front to the back to the left to the right. God, let the strength of the Holy Spirit be released in this house and over God's people right now, Father. Healing. You are the God who heals us. We believe that by your stripes we were healed on the cross. God, we receive it. We believe it. And God, let faith arise. Let doubt go. Let fear be gone. Let faith arise. And God, we will glorify you right now in this moment. Put your hands together and praise you, God. Thank you. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Uh, lift your hands with me, church. I want to bless you. God wants to bless you. Father, I bless Christian Center Church today. Father, may they be blessed going in and blessed going out. May your angels encamp around about them. And may you protect and watch over each and every heart, soul, and person of us and our extended families, those who aren't with us today. Father, we include them in this. May they be blessed. May your face turn towards them and may your countenance rise upon them and may you give them peace and may you give them rest, Father. Until the appointed time that you bring us all back together, Father, we ask your blessings upon this congregation in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. amen. Guys, the tithe and offering boxes, and I, I always forget to mention this, tithe and offering boxes are in the back if you want to drop off your tithes and offerings. Go in the name of the Lord and be blessed. Amen.